Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Owatari Dorgan, and with me as always is a man who killed his doppelganger after a prolonged fight on a rainy rooftop. <laughs> I am the Adam Glass, and it's just, it's one of my life rules. You that if doppelganger. I'm, well, if I'm, I don't always fight my doppelgangers, alright? But if I meet one, and we are going to fight to the death, it has to be a knife fight on a roof during a thunderstorm. Just. Yeah, that, I mean that's a given. That yes, yeah. of course. Uh, what else would it be, right? Right. Um, <sighs> Not going to have a, here's like, a gun, gun duel waste. in yeah. the street. No, yeah. I mean, unless it's gun kata, and then that's a whole other thing. <laughs> uh-huh. Occasionally, like, <laughs> like, sometimes my knife fight does does incorporate some parkour, but uh, but never anything too deep. I will say though that one of the things that I found most disappointing about this movie was the fact that the evil doppelganger doesn't have a goatee <laughs> well there's uh, and that neither of them are really the evil doppelganger though, well that's so. the problem i couldn't tell which one was the evil doppelganger because none of them had a goatee or actively does anything evil no <laughs> it doesn't work that way one of the doppelgangers has, has to, be, to evil. be evil i i have seen every episode of star trek okay and so maybe in part and parcel of that is knowing that the evil the people in the mirror universe are evil Maybe what the problem unless they're there. good unless they're good okay they're only not evil if they were evil in the right. re, in our world and then right. they're good in the mirror universe yes, sometimes course. but not always that rule doesn't seem to be hard and fast maybe to borrow to borrow another Star Trek trope uh, our evil doppelganger has not yet grown her beard oh that's uh, possible yeah that is definitely possible so um, so the, I mean I thought about that. Um, but she dies early, which is really troubling. You just arbitrarily decided which one's the bad one. Yeah, I did. It's obviously the the fucking one who's not the like uh, who dies first. That has to be right. Like it wouldn't make any sense otherwise. All right, fine. Okay. I've seen every episode of Star Trek, Adam. The good guys always win when they're fighting the mirror universe. Sometimes it takes a few episodes. Sometimes it's a it's a storyline and not just a single episode. But they always defeat the bad the bad people right. from the mirror All universe. Right. Therefore, the one who dies early has to be the the, has the evil. To, has one. to have been the evil one. Okay. Yeah, right. I mean it, it's all it's it's all there. I mean it's all pretty plain as the nose on your face. But you know, typically, we indicate either with a palette swap of the uniform or something um, that they're evil. Uh, oddly enough, one of the ways that they're telegraphed as being evil is oftentimes with women because they can't grow goatees. It's just unnecessarily revealing clothing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, which has always struck me as odd, an odd way to telegraph that somebody's evil and not just, I don't know, horny. Uh, <laughs> well, being horny is evil, as we learned last week. Oh, right, right. Yeah, we learned that last week. I forgot yeah. about that. Before we get into the podcast, I want to talk about our Patreon, patreon.com slash lostincriterion. Uh, over there for just a dollar a month, you can help support us, keep us going, and get some bonus content. We do a non-criterion I mean, I, I film. I can't do that, because if I do that, then <laughs> it's going to be somewhat self-defeating. If you just mail 15 cents to Patreon, <laughs> it, would, it would have the same effect. Yeah, um, basically. I like that idea. I was like, yeah. So every week, every month, I say I mail them fifteen cents. Yeah, 
Anyway, um, we uh, we have fun over there. We do non-criterion films one a month, and uh, it, it's sometimes it's a very good movie that maybe should be in the Criterion collection, like we've done. Uh, goodness, uh, the American Idolation of Emily, Dog Day Afternoon, uh, the uh, um, Best Years of Our Lives. I keep I keep wanting to say the secrets to my success. <laughs> yeah, the best I, years I, of my uh, our lives. Uh, and the secrets of my success is that 1980s. Uh, yeah, uh, Michael J. See, Fox. I movie. keep hoping you're going to say the Wonder Years. Yeah, and then Which, uh, it goes in a different way. Entirely. I haven't talked about the Wonder Years or the or the secrets of my success over there. But maybe maybe we'll throw we'll throw we'll watch we'll watch the entirety of the Wonder Years for one bonus episode over there. Oh, God, that so, <laughs> oh that's so horrible. No, that's a terrible Please don't plan. Do that to me. Uh, but yeah, oh, I put together. Don't do that to me, Adam. I put together a list of uh, of four choices and then a fifth choice that is always uh, Kazam, the 1996 children's genie movie starring Shaquille O'Neal as a genie. Uh, did I say children's genie movie starring Shaquille O'Neal as the genie? Uh, anyway. <laughs> well, I don't under... What? I think I just said the word genie like three times in a sentence. Maybe? I, I think you may have. Anyway. Uh, um, yeah. But yeah, you got for just a dollar a month, you get to vote on what we're going to watch, and then uh, get access to those episodes, both the most recent one and the entire back catalog. So you can go back and listen to, for instance, uh, when our friend Donovan Hill was on and spent an hour complaining about the most recent our, Alien movie, despite the fact that that episode. movie was not the one we were watching, and also uh, he had not seen the most recent Alien movie. <laughs> Uh, our our best episode we've yeah, ever had. It was it was very fun. It was it was just a ridiculously long episode. Like, I actually I had to. I won't. I originally never forget to, the shock that yes. both of you and I experienced. Yes, when with you when and I became, experienced when he revealed that he had not seen it yeah. and we had just talked about it for yeah. an hour. Um, our like it was a just, true, honestly, God, holy shit moment. There's actually two versions of that because originally I did not include that bit because it was just so long in an already overstuffed episode. But then I re- released the director's cut of of that episode a few months later, um, and we and we swore we would never be like Ridley Scott, but here we are. Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> We have a lot of fun over there, um, and we uh, we, we also tried have the, the Japan cut, the original cut, yes, the yes, European the, theatrical cut, the uh, the cut where I added needless narration over the opening credits. Uh, <laughs> yep, yep. There's that one. There's yeah. that one. There's an extra unicorn cut. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh man, I should just keep recutting that. <laughs> it would be pretty great if every Christmas you release a new cut of the. Of, it's like a, a, a as in addition to the other uh, Christmas stuff that we yeah. do, you could have just a new cut of it released with just the minors change. Yeah, just the bare like bare minimum to be a new cut. It's like well, plus an additional two and a half seconds of audio. <laughs> it's just silence because that's all that's left. You're just like oh well, I added the silence back in here. Right, right, exactly. It's uh. better now. But yeah, like I said, a dollar an episode at Patreon or a dollar a month at patreon.com slash lost and criterion get you access to all that. For a little extra, we uh five dollars a month we like to thank the people at that level on air. So thank you to Adam Speakerman and to Kevin Little for your continued five dollar support. Yes, extra thank thanks you. to Adam Speakerman who has actually suggested some of the votes over there and is always phenomenally good uh with his suggestions. He suggested, for instance, uh the Louis Mao documentary, uh one that we did. Uh, where we ended up watching God's Country, which is uh, an oh, amazing really documentary. Um, 
but yeah. I need to buy that. So that's actually on the, the list of things to buy. <laughs> you actually. should buy that. Uh, a little above that, we do something that I really love. Pat makes a piece of art based on uh, one of the movies we've watched on the main podcast recently, usually on the main podcast, and usually Pat making it at least once. Uh, his kids made a piece of art based yeah, on the true. Christmas movie for the year. Um, sometimes, usually, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's terrible. It yeah. depends. It really depends on how, how much of a creative struggle it is at the, in that month. Right. The last one was very, very difficult, and I don't know why. <laughs> I get that. I get that. I do I, like I the went through no product, joke. though. I, I have say. no joke 15 iterations of that postcard on my, on my computer. Oh, that's excellent. And they're all completely different. That is very interesting. I kind of want to see them all now. Anyway, um, yeah, Pat makes that art. I get it printed on a postcard and then write a little thank you note and mail it off. Uh, that's at the $10 and above mark. And uh, we also like to thank those people on air. So thank you to Jason Westhaver and Michael McGrath for currently being at that mark. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. If you want to support us uh, in any way possible or get in on that postcard thing, it's definitely uh, definitely a, a game-changing <laughs> in moment in your life. Postcard. Yeah. Patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion. This week we are talking about a uh, Polish, French, Norwegian. Uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of started to wonder if like, like how how that all came together, and then I was like, but why didn't they keep adding countries? <laughs> um. So I don't, I don't know exactly how it all came together and I don't know exactly how Pol- how uh, rather uh, nor the I don't know exactly how Norway is involved at all uh, perhaps some yeah sort I of couldn't funding. find that anywhere yeah. Um, but yeah it is uh, the double life of Veronique uh, directed by uh, directed by Kristoff uh, uh, Kieslowski um, who uh who is the uh, Polish director and uh, has a lot of letters in his name. I just, I, <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't. I, I was like, this is going to be, this is going to be a, no, just it is a travesty. It is just Kristoff um, and Kislowski is as, as close as I'm going to be able to come to properly pronouncing that. Um, it uh, came out in 91. Uh, just, uh, Chris, uh Kozlowski made more films after this. In fact, he made the, the Three Colors trilogy, which we'll eventually watch after this, uh, which, uh, incidentally, uh, Three Colors Red, I believe, also stars Irene Jacob, who uh, who stars here, uh, and who we've seen briefly. She had a smaller role, much smaller role, in uh, uh, Malle's, uh, Malle's uh, Au Revoir Les Affons she was in, okay. which is actually where... Uh, where Kozlowski uh, saw her and decided that she had to be uh, in one of his movies. Um, I don't remember her in that movie. I don't remember a role where <laughs> yeah. she could have been in that movie. I don't remember. There weren't a lot of women in that movie. So, Right. Uh, but yeah, uh, he, like I said, made, uh, made a few more movies, uh, Three Colors Trilogy, and then... Uh, Retired after that, but died uh, in 1996 at uh, the age of 54 um, while undergoing open heart surgery after a heart attack. He died during surgery. 
which is a little sad. But, yeah. But we will see more movies from him. Uh, but this film, this film is fascinating. I really liked this movie. Uh, but uh, but as the introduction, uh, as Pat's introduction says, uh, it's a movie about two identical women, one born in France and one born in Poland, uh, at on the same day at the same time, uh, both named the localization of the name Veronica uh, in their uh, in their culture, uh, Veronica Veronica in. Poland and Veronique in France and uh, yeah two interconnected lives yeah I mean it it is what it's about it's just my issue with it like I really did, I really like this movie okay but like it, it's doing that thing uh, that we you see in movies sometimes where it's got this sort of underlying metaphysics that it doesn't try to explain. Oh that. yeah, it has no intention of, of and, even pretending to explain. I, the I being here. the kind of person that I am, don't like it when movies do that. Yeah, oh, I get that. Uh, I this movie is really beautiful and re- and very. It was, it was actually a really pleasant watch, and I really liked it. But always in the back of my head, I'm like, you've got this weird metaphysics that seems to be un- in control of the world. Uh, but you're never going to explore it is by its nature to me very very upsetting. <laughs> uh, I, I it, it and, and it and it and it bothers me enough that it like haunts me throughout the entire thing to the point where like it's like and it's not the same thing as when science fiction movies don't bother to explain that kind of shit where they like it's clear that there's a, a metaphysical there's some sort of scientific force or something at work underneath. This is just like, oh, yeah, these just two random people are connected, and that's just the way it is. Right. Because of some stars or some shit. I don't know. But they clearly had to be connected before that because they didn't get named Veronique when they were three. Right. So, like, they were already named that thing before. Yeah. They are. I don't know. They are deeply connected in an unexplained way, in an unexplainable way. Uh, And, yeah, it's just, it's the... This and movie like, is described is as surreal for that bullet. reason, but it's not even... I think surreal is the wrong word to describe that. I, I, right? It's just... It is an interesting metaphysical idea about the interconnectedness of people here and the... Right. It's, you know, it's like... Uh, it's like those twin separated verse psychological experiments, you know. Where where one's raised one way and the other, and and how do their lives flow? You know, it's an exploration of uh, branching universes, right? It's it's right multiverse theory, but they both exist on the same Earth somehow, right? And then 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 that's my problem is is that for me personally, like those are all things that like people in. Like science fiction and stuff like that is usually based on sort of like weird extrapolations of what people already spend their time thinking about, right? Uh, in many ways, but like, and there's nothing wrong with like these sort of metaphysical powers at work in our universe sorts of movies. It's just this is a very good version of them, but you end up with other movies that aren't good versions of this that are things like you get your your Benjamin Button bullshit and yeah. like the 
the other one with the Rob, the Robin Williams one where he also ages weird that I can't remember the name of. Jack. Uh, and and yeah, okay. Well, thank you for remembering. Um, yeah. But but you know what I mean, right? Like those are also the same thing. They're like obviously radically different in terms of quality of film. Yeah. Okay. This is a much they, much much better version of this, but they all have that same sort of like. I, I don't really want to explain this sort of bullshit yeah. underneath, which is like, no, you can't tell me there's some insane force at work in the world, but but I'm not going to tell you about I it. I think in Jack, Robert Williams is supposed to have progeria. Like, it has, like, I a real, real world explanation, but... It does, it but does, but the problem is, is it doesn't follow any of the rules of... Of the actual disease, yeah. yeah. Yeah, which is, which makes it just weird metaphysical bullshit. Yeah. Like, you know, if you... If you just because you can name the disease doesn't so, mean uh, like it. It's real. Speaking of weird metaphorical bullshit, uh, there are three Criterion essays uh, accompanying this movie, and one of them is written by uh, by uh, philosopher uh, guy <laughs> weirdo <laughs> weird dude who hangs out in the diner <laughs> weirdo Slavish Zizek, and I love Zizek to death. I really do. I really do. Uh, but one of the essays is written by him and. Uh, he uh see if i can find the actual paragraph i want to quote oh goodness here we go here we go uh kozlowski's universe is a gnostic universe a not yet fully constituted universe created by a perverse and confused idiotic god who screwed up the work of creation producing an imperfect world and then keeps trying to save whatever can be saved by repeated new attempts. We are all children of the lesser God. I'm sorry. I I was quoting Zizek's there, so I probably should have been snorting a lot during... Yeah, during the... it's not, it's not like you did some cocaine or something. Um, uh, the, no. the issue with that is, is that, I mean... It more seems like he just wanted to write that article and then realize that, that this film, like, yeah, for, oh, this film lines up with it pretty well. Let's go for it. Now he goes he goes on to uh, talk about uh, what he calls new age cyber gnosticism, uh, in which uh, uh, by the end of this paragraph he is talking about the scene in Alien Resurrection, uh, the Jean Pierre Janu directed Alien mm-hmm. film, uh, where the cloned Ripley is presented with all of the previous failed clones of her, including one that is still alive and begs for death. Um, right. And <laughs> and I realize in that moment that Zizek's mind works a lot of in many of the same ways that mine does, just making making connections between things that maybe shouldn't be connected. <laughs> and, and that's probably why I love Zizek's, but that is also just a ridiculous sentence. Right. About that... <sighs> Because it is obviously there's metaphysics going on in this movie, but this movie is not asking any questions about the nature of uh, reality or the nature of God. Right. Or... I mean, the, the the movie does not posit that this is a thing that happens all over the world. Right. Like, which is the thing you would have to do if you're like, oh, I want to question the nature of reality. Like, we all have double. Like, it's a stupid thing to say, but like, it's yeah. a thing that somebody could write in a movie, which is like, oh, we all have a doppelganger. Yeah. Like, and even. Doppelganger horror movies, uh, which most doppelganger movies are, some amount of existential horror at least. This movie this, this has nothing to do with the existential horror. Like, they barely realize each other exists. They're just connected. 
and they have made similar life choices. And, and as as Veronica uh, decides to uh, become a singer, a decision that uh, triggers her heart condition and she dies, uh, Veronique in France has decided to give up a singing career and to not pursue that and to keep keep teaching music at an elementary school instead. Uh, and Zizix talks about uh, <clears throat> wasted potential, and the the he frames. Uh, he frames Veronique giving up her single singing career as an amoral or an immoral decision. Okay, uh, which is which is Zizek's interesting too, right? Uh, but I don't I don't feel like that's necessarily supported no. in the film either. No, it, so. I don't I don't think that is supported because I mean, number one, I don't think the movie makes a value judgment about either of the two decisions, right? Right. In, in any really meaningful way at all. Like, I mean, we've talked about how like a movie cannot be apolitical. Yeah. But this is not this being a non-political statement. The movie has political yeah. ideas, obviously, but within like, the- this particular element is just about these characters, and I, I honestly don't think that either of them are portrayed as making the wrong decision. With uh, within the narrative, things. The plot is coherent, right? Things happen absolutely. for a reason because things stack up on one another. But there's no there's no moralizing about those decisions, and it's not... Her decision to sing is not something that our filmmaker is saying was a bad decision, and that's why she dies. She, you know, the Her sudden death is... Uh, not exactly telegraphed, but it is foreshadowed. You know, when we first meet oh, her, yeah, no, when yeah. we first meet her aunt, her aunt says, "You know, so many of the women in our family have died when they appear to be in good health," uh, and she starts to suffer the heart problems before she actually dies. You know, we see her having that. Uh, uh, we see her having that uh, that attack on uh, on the bench uh, when the flasher walks up and just flashes right. her and and keeps walking, um, which gave me a great idea for a scene where. Uh, where the flasher actually starts helping her and ends up ends up <laughs> yeah. taking her to the hospital, uh, like, a whole time trying to keep his robe shut or right, whatever, right. Uh, never uh, actually thinking to tuck himself back in, but but trying to. Uh, but no, um, so the movie the movie is about the connectedness of these two characters, and if there are broader implications, then the connectedness of of all people of all things. Right. And, I mean that that would but, be the most the closest thing this movie gets to a. A, a, a statement which is like true existentialism the idea that like people are actually connect like you know rather than being sort of in a sort of um, philosophical way connected and influencing each other through their actions you end up with no you're actually connected connected like the things you do are directly connected to the things that happen to somebody else right um, which is interesting I mean it's a thing it's definitely it's definitely a, a, an idea to talk about and 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 the movie does a good job of it right because like you know her the idea like the, the sort of more metaphysical stuff where like she starts getting phone calls and stuff that's all pretty interesting yeah but then it has an in-world uh solution yeah, unfortunately it has an in-world which I'm not actually a fan of I am also not actually a fan of. I think uh, I, um, 
Alexander as a character is interesting enough. Um, and the, uh, the idea of the two puppets is, is one place where this gets more metaphysical, uh, because Alexander is, is, I suppose, the god of, of his puppets, uh, and he has, uh, he makes duplicates of them. He's made a duplicate of the one that looks like Veronique, uh, because in in using the one, it is destroyed. And the idea that in I can see Zizek's reading in that, in that the idea of her right. uh, performing, of her using her musical talents, her singing talents in particular, uh, she uh, she destroys herself and she's used. So the universe has provided a backup of her. Uh, but but that backup does not itself get used in the same way because she's she's given up singing in order to be right. protected. She doesn't know that necessarily. You know, she does go get the EKG, right? Um, but uh, but it's also you know the visual metaphors within this movie about things just being upside down. Right? We're introduced to the little girls with the mom holding one upside down and us seeing the sky where the ground should be in the ground where the sky should be. Uh, right. We get the the visual distortion of the train window and then that rubber ball that they both have where they look through it and the world's upside down. But, uh, you yeah, know, so, so I understand this is like wanting to wanting to do a metaphysical reading and I think there's some support to it but I don't think there's a lot of support to it. Yeah, it's... it's it... The movie, because the movie's not super interested in that, it right. doesn't provide a lot of right. like uh, metatextual support for that yeah. in any meaningful way. And 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 the, you know, you get into that classic thing. It's like, well, you can read as deep into this story as you want. Right. Like, I mean, there's always that, but that that's called fanfic. Like, <laughs> that's a thing. We have a word for it. And, you know, he has gotten. It sounds like. I mean, I didn't read the article, but it sounds like he's gotten a little bit down that road. Yeah, but that's like that's, I'm just gonna. That's how Zizek gonna create the movie. I thought I wanted to, see, you know, I thought I saw. That's how Zizek interprets pop culture, anyway. So, you know, right? Uh, you know, he he is a a a metaphysist in his uh, or a metaphysicist, I suppose, in his uh, uh, interpretation of philosophy. So, you know, he's he's an interesting guy with some interesting ideas, but also he spouts a bunch of garbage <laughs> sometimes. Uh, there's an interesting aspect to the idea of this as a uh, as alternative universes, which is something Zissick sort of offhandedly mentions. Uh, but one of the other uh, essays talks about all the different cuts of this movie. Uh, that uh, one version, uh, he says, for example, concentrated more on the subplot. Uh, it doesn't even exist in the final film of uh, Veronique, the French one, uh, agreeing to uh, play uh, the go-between for her friend's divorce hearing. Um, and then that completely disappears. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, he also mentions that uh, Kislowski uh, considered making multiple versions of the film, multiple cuts of the film. Uh, up okay. to the idea of every theater getting a different version of the oh movie. God. Uh, which is such a ridiculously wonderful idea that I want someone to do it. <laughs> yeah, and me too. But, like, I can't... The work the work involved, my right. God. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> you cannot have a very wide release of an idea like that. I think, you know, what got us on, on this, this tangent, uh, Alexander's outside working, this idea that, that he is, is researching a novel and he wanted to make sure that a woman could have the possibility of investigating this weird thing going on. Mm-hmm. So he decides to do it to this random woman he saw at work the other day. Uh, that's creepy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, it is. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, but, uh, but yeah. <laughs> it's... Uh, it's interesting. And obviously, Alexander is a means to the ends of presenting the two different puppets, right? And the idea that yeah, right. that our, our ladies are two different puppets. Um, uh, that the universe is, is just acting on them? That they're playthings of, of God? Um, of this ex- idiot like, God? I, yeah. I mean, yeah, but like... I don't know. Again, I don't think the movie necessarily... Right, I don't... I understand that as a reading, but, like, I don't feel like that's what the movie's trying to talk about. Yeah. Like, it's an e. I think that's an easy reading of this movie, because you've, you've got the puppets at the end, you're like, you know, oh, well, yeah, like, we're all just yeah, I think, puppets on I strings. Think in a lot of ways, the, the puppets are just another random thing in this random universe, right? Right, exactly, like... I, yeah, well, exactly, because if... Obviously, Alexander's not God. Right. It's not the reading we get. And, and Alexander is not further controlling these things. He is not the puppet master right. of Veronique's lives. Right. Uh, so, the net result of that means that, uh, presumably, he exists as just a weird, like, third universe iteration of... Maybe. Them? I mean, because he, they're like, well, God also happened to spin out the, the puppet versions of them as well. Yeah. Because he's maybe having a stroke. Maybe he's having a stroke. Uh, maybe. Is it, a Heinlein, is it a Heinlein book? Short story? Where, uh, Which one? Where every character is a different timeline iteration of... That's like half of Heinlein's <laughs> later work. They're all like that. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Like... At, at, you know, I read a lot of Heinlein as a teenager because yeah. that's what teenage nerds do, and then they later realized that he was a crazy person. Um, and uh, yeah, all the later works are like that. Yeah, uh, like Time Enough for or was it, yeah, like Time Enough for Love, and some of those things are just like the various iterations of his characters from his different books all fucking each other. It's wild. <laughs> it's just basically all it is. They're like on spaceships and they're all boning. It's like, that's all that those movies, all those books are. And sometimes you're like, you get to the end, you're like, did that have a plot? I don't know if that had a plot or if he just used his own characters to write a, an 800 page fanfic of his, or not even fanfic, an 800 page slash fic of his own work. It's like, what is this? So yeah, you've you've picked all the later works, all of them. Well, good, good. I'm glad I I remembered enough about Timeland to remember ninety percent. All of his later works are just his own characters fucking in a weird slash fiction. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I think it's God. I hope no. I hope nobody listens to this as like a big Highland fan because, like, that's you know, sixteen-year-old Pat's memory yeah. of what these books were like is pretty pretty weirdly colored and jaded. Yeah. One thing I admire about this movie is that they never meet each other. They see evidence of each other, right? But, but that doesn't that doesn't lead them to think that there's some sort of deeper meaning here, right? Right. I, I am glad that they don't go hunting for each other. Right. I'm glad that that is not what this movie is. Uh, I I am glad that I, the movie the main thing the movie deals with is the idea that you feel connected to things, right? And that that could just be a figment of your imagination, right? Like, yeah, it, and it could be like all of this could just be a very mild delusion, yeah. Like we know as the audience, it's not, but like there's no reason uh, Veronica would be able to not determine that to be the case right and it's yeah. not it's not like she travels back to poland and falls in love with veronica's Her, boyfriend exactly or it doesn't do any of that right. doppelganger like the few times you do encounter movies like this that are not horror movies that's what they that's the pattern they follow right it's like somebody like goes and explores the life of this other person and this movie just doesn't do that and that's great it makes a lot of really interesting choices yeah. But it does present us with the problem of trying to figure out what it's trying to tell us, which is really, really hard to figure out. <laughs> what it's trying to tell us. And what it's trying to tell us. I think Zizix goes too big in what it's trying yeah, to tell us. Uh, but I think it's definitely... Well, he just wanted to say... He just wanted to write that sentence about the about gods. I don't remember even what it was. But it was like, <laughs> oh man, i got to work this in somewhere. Here, I'll write a quick review of the double life of Veronique and yeah. ram that in there. Um, it's a movie about existentialism. So we've so far, we've quoted the Zizix one. We've quoted the Peter Cowie one. Uh, the third essay uh, is by, uh, oh, it's, is it also by Cowie? Or did I scroll too far down? I don't know. Okay, I, so, I so the other one, Jonathan Romney is the other one that, that I've quoted so far. Uh, the uh, the Peter Cowie essay is uh, about uh, Kislowski's uh, relationship with Irene Jacob, the actress who plays um, Veronica and Veronique, um, and describes them as having a very like father daughter relationship. Um, so he suggests a reading of this where the both fathers in the film just represent Kislowski. Period. Uh, and that's you know why why Veronica's father is initially uh, uh, introduced with his back turned to the camera so that it it could be uh, Kislowski, um, and uh, why it ends with her going back to her dad I think too, uh, or or the other Veronica going to her dad. Um, on that note, there is an alternative ending that Harvey Weinstein insisted be added uh, to uh, to the American release of this, uh, where uh, they just sort of extend that final sequence. You know, what we get, Veronique quietly pulls up to her dad's house and touches the tree, and her father working inside seems to sense that that has happened. And moves toward her, toward the outside, where, uh, where in the uh, 
in the Weinstein ending, I guess they actually embrace. She walks outside. It's shot from the interior of the house. Um, and they, uh, they move toward each other and embrace, and that's the final shot of the film. Uh, hmm. Which is interesting, that, that interpretation of it being about the daughter's relationship to the dad and, and the creation of art that way. In a way, you know, right. Um, and there's a reading then of of Alexander as the father of the puppets, and you can get down. I mean, that that's route. as good of a reading as any. I right, mean, right. It, it's it's reasonable. Right. It's it's just fascinating that this is such a great movie that I enjoyed that I really don't know what to make of at all. Right. right. No, I yeah, I totally agree. And it, it's the kind where like it, it 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 is it is a movie that fits into a mold that is relatively rare for me, which is a movie I really really liked. I will probably never watch again <laughs> because I can't I kind of just can't deal with it. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like I don't know, I can't I'm not successfully dissecting it now. I don't conceive of myself of being able to dissect it better later. Yeah. So I'm left in this position where I was like, well, I probably just don't. I'm just not going to subject myself to that in future. Like, that just, you know. But it's really, I mean, it's very good. Yeah. And, I mean, it deserves more attention and energy from me. But, like, it's just the idea of, like, just trying to tunnel down through it and, like, keep pouring my energy into understanding it sounds really also really painful <laughs> uh. um, I also think it's, it's an interesting choice to use Bruce Schwartz's style of puppetry as as the puppetry portrayed in the film uh, Schwartz Schwartz made an active decision he's an American puppeteer and he, he does the performances here uh, but he made an active decision to uh, to not wear gloves to have his hands and his body visible as controlling the puppets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't necessarily know his full reasoning on that. Uh, but uh, but in further metaphysical interpretation of this movie, uh, Alexander is a hands-on god. Right. Uh, but whatever power is controlling what's happening to Veronica... Is is not a hands-on god. It is not a right. visible god. It is not. We can't see the hands at play. Well, and you get into this weird sort of thing about a god who is not omnipotent, right? Because he lacks the ability to prevent these things from happening, right? Just as Alexander lacks the ability to, like, he makes duplicates because he can't stop. Yeah. The yeah. destruction of the puppets when he uses them. Right. So he, his, his solution is just, well, I mean, I just make a bunch of them. We are possibly arguing ourselves toward the Zissick interpretation of this movie. It's <laughs> possible, but I'm not buying it. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, no, I, the idiot God who has to like, make a backup I, I, I am, right, and, and, but then you're getting into, like, that's my argument about, that's my, like, wow, we've stumbled into my conversation about God regardless of the context. <laughs> right. There you go. Uh, so, like, I mean, we haven't really found something special in that in those in, in this environment. Yeah, for me at least. Um, so you know, 
<laughs> like, uh, yeah, I I think it's more just that I if you I I'm more saying that if we walk down these roads, if we do go that route, we will eventually get to his interpretation. But like, I don't think it's necessarily correct. It's just right. If you walk down certain paths, you will end up in certain places. Uh, sort of unavoidably. Right. Right. It also... If we go too far down a metaphysical interpretation of this, it suggests that Veronica is the most important being in the created universe. In that right, she because is the only one who any, gets this back up. Yes, who gets a duplicate. Yeah, which is a whole other... Well, that's what I was talking about before. We were... we. Early on, we were starting our sort of metaphysical conversation. Was the idea that like the the movie doesn't explore the idea that like everybody's got a doppelganger? Right. It's one specific person, which is a a a noticeably sort of fucked up environment to story, right? Because either you exist in a metaphysical universe where everybody has a duplicate, or somebody special. And to a certain extent, yeah. of course, she is special because she's the main character of the movie we're watching, but. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, I mean, yes, but then then that gets like that also gets into sort of like meta like media ways of understanding it. I I can't. No, we're done with this. <laughs> I get you. I get you. Uh, yeah, it's just it's a very fascinating movie. Like I said, I I really don't know necessarily what to make of it, and I don't know that I even want to think too deeply about what to make of it. Right. I just kind of want this movie to exist how it exists and be enjoyed how it how it exists without diving too deeply into it. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree with that, yes, yeah. Huh. I, I yeah. And 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 but the problem is is that's why I can't watch it again because that Diving too deep is going to be the sort of inevitable result of, yeah, I think of watching this movie, especially multiple times, right? Like, because it it's going to drive at least me crazy. Yeah. Right. Offhandedly, the Wikipedia article yes. does not get too much into interpretation of this film, but offhandedly in its introductory paragraph, it says the film explores themes of identity, love, and human intuition, uh, which I think it may be as, uh, I might even drop identity from that in order to get as exact as I'm willing to get about what this movie is actually exploring. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, it plays with identity, but I don't know if it explores meanings of identity. Uh, no, I mean it, it. It had the it had the possibility to do it. Yeah, where she starts to question if there's another one of me, then what does that mean? Right. That is always there was always a possibility. The problem is, is it the movie just doesn't do that, right? And they we just don't see her questioning her existence at all. And when when things appear to maybe. Where she's getting that information, she just kind of accepts it and lets it go. You know, the thing that she has any emotional response to, and maybe it's a slow build, and that's why it happens at the end of the movie, but it's it's this idea of Alexander having the backup, Veronica. Right. And that that triggers something in her. And that's that's more an exploration of the themes of love than necessarily about the identity or the metaphysical nature of the story. Yeah, that's true. 
It's she's given herself to this guy uh, who <laughs> was a jerk to begin with, but whatever. Yes. Uh, and uh, and he's got uh, he's up late at night working on a a copy of a copy of her too, right? You know, it's not just right. yeah, it's not just right. the puppet version of her that he's making. He's making the backup puppet version of her. Uh, and that in and of itself is reason for her to have an emotional breakdown and go see her dad, I think. So, right, yeah, I would agree, yeah. yeah. Because Alexander's just weird. <laughs> right, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, I think it is reasonable. It would actually probably, from purely textual level, the best interpretation of this movie is an exploration of the nature of love and right. what it means to connect with somebody not not your doppelganger but somebody else emotionally and then to learn more about them yeah without and the fact that like oh maybe they have a weird doppelganger uh of you somewhere but there's also there is there is something to i don't want to moralize it in the same way that zisic seems to to try to by actually using the word morality in describing it but there's something we said about the sheer joy that Veronica gets in performing the ecstasy of the of the opening scene of her right. performing in the rain um, and that embracing that joy of meeting her purpose in a way of, of but of, of meeting the life that is going to bring her the most joy kills her right and right. whereas Veronique uh, gives up that joy and slowly, slowly slips into depression over the course of the rest of the movie. So there is there is that. I don't again. I don't want to. I don't want to call that moral or immoral. Uh, but but that is an interesting aspect to the film too. That uh, that giving up on your dream, uh, living your dream might kill you, but giving up on your dream to, it makes life not worth living. Is is something. right. That this film is also it, it is. I mean, yeah, I yeah. I guess I guess that is a reasonable interpretation of the film. I, it's a pretty blase interpretation of the film, too, right? It's right. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it is it is simultaneously a reasonable one and also the boringest one, right? Uh, which is why I tend to not de- de- not truly want to embrace it. Yeah. Um, but you know, maybe maybe we have to. Maybe that's maybe we just have to accept that that's what the movie is about and okay and it just does it in a really weirdly haphazard way <laughs> but again I don't know that the movie is necessarily about anything that specific right right I obviously with what I know about Kozlowski's other work I think that we will see him trying to tackle big deeper ideas uh decalogue is uh about uh uh, it's a series of interconnected stories based on the ten commandments and uh the color trilogy is interconnected stories too interconnected in the way that uh altman shortcuts is interconnected um you know where they're just kind of appending against each other right right um so in the same way this this is about 
interconnectedness too, right? But it's interconnectedness of the same woman existing in, in two different spots in, in the world and two different versions of herself and living two different versions of her life. Uh, but it is about interconnectedness and how you know, decisions we make have effects on people like us across the world. But yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, yeah. My, my final answer on this will be, I really just don't know. Right. It's okay not to know. Like, I don't want to make a call. Yeah, I don't, and I don't think we, we have to. Uh, Ultimately, we are, necessary. we are agnostic about the metaphysics of this movie, but we are still uh, okay with them existing. So. Yeah, no, it's. And, and and in certain some ways, I think it's it's kind of funny in the sense that like I complain about it having uh, like annoying metaphysics, but like I'd rather it didn't. I'd rather this than it explore them and do something horrible. <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Like I'd rather this pretty beautiful film that just doesn't try yeah. than a film that like does and just makes a. A fucking nightmare. She doesn't meet God or an alien or a witch at the end of the film <laughs> who explains what. Right, exactly. Yeah. While Zizek does frame it as a moral choice, he does not necessarily frame Veronique's uh, choice to uh, continue living as uh, as an immoral uh, choice, but uh, but one that comes at great cost, right? Her, her right. decision does does mean giving up the semen. And that's the the title of Zizek's essay is The Forced Choice of Freedom, which is one thing I appreciate about Zizek's philosophy is, is his exploration of the idea that uh, when we talk about freedom, uh, freedom, freedom of choice is itself uh, overburdening in many ways, right? Well, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're bound in that into making one regardless yeah right? so yeah um so yeah i don't know that kozlowski is exploring that same idea in the same way but i can understand no, where Zizek so. sees yeah. his philosophy reflected in this movie and you know that's that's another thing too uh any text film book holy book is uh you get out of it what you're already bringing to it so Absolutely, yeah. That's and 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 I think we we've encountered that before on with these articles, and that's not going to stop being true. That like you right. know, we 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 have often disagreed with the article writers because we're like, wow, you really brought specific baggage into this, didn't you? Right. Uh, uh, and yeah, the result of that is sometimes like interpretations that are almost in, incomprehensible to us sometimes like the other essay that uses the phrase uh pre-sexual child to describe the veronicas uh, oh boy yeah it's one of those essays huh yeah now, at least we didn't we didn't end up with any of the innate sexuality of education stuff <laughs> so it's good, good to avoid that but yeah yeah uh and and he uses that interpretation to go back to why she flees back to her father instead of bearing and, and flees away from her lovers. Um, uh, never mind the fact that the, her lover is a weirdo. 
Though, Veronica also flees her lover. But she flees her lover to throw herself into her art and just sort of gets distracted well, by her art. And, and it is, yeah, it is, it is a, a much more distinctly less of a, of a flea. Yeah. You know what I mean? Really, like, it's just, it doesn't have the same sort of, like, I'm running away from you vibe, right? It's more of, like, I need to do pursue this thing that's important. Right, right. And, you know, the the movie never frames it as running away from him either. He shows back up, and she immediately realizes what she's done and regrets it. Like, she, right. she really just has been absentmindedly pursuing her art instead of remembering that he exists, which is bad for him, but realistic. And uh, Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's not, yeah, it's pretty normal behavior, I think, yeah. so... So, yeah. yeah. I don't know that I have really anything else to say about this. It's, again, it is I, an I interesting really, movie. It is I, a I don't stunning yeah. movie. It is a movie where I am perfectly okay with not understanding exactly what it's trying to tell me. And I'm not hung up on figuring out what it's trying to tell me. I think it is just let it wash over you. Right? <laughs> and let yeah, it, exist. It, it is that kind of movie, yeah. Yeah. It, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked it, though. So, yeah, we were talking about The Double Life of Veronique this week uh, from 1991, directed by uh, Christoph Kozlowski. And as I said earlier, we will see other Kozlowski work, uh, Decalogue, the Three Colors Trilogy, uh, on and on. Uh, I think we even see more, more than that. We'll also have... Uh, Oh yeah, just one more. Blind Choice is uh, is the last film from him we'll watch. Uh, not necessarily the final, but the other one I hadn't mentioned yet is what I mean by that. Okay, okay. Um, but yeah. So next week we'll be talking about uh, an interesting experiment of a film, and in fact uh, at least two versions of it. Uh, William Greaves' Symbiopsychotaxoplasm. Wow. Uh is a fiction documentary hybrid uh, cool. about making itself uh, okay. as well. Um, and, uh, and we will be watching uh, we'll be watching both uh, the original cut from, uh, from its release uh, in 1975, uh, I think. Okay. Or 68, actually. 1968. Uh, and then uh, three decades later, uh, Take Two and a Half was released. Wow. Uh, executive produced by uh, Steven Soderbergh and Steve Buscemi. Uh, and we'll wow. be watching yeah, both versions of that. Uh, yeah, it, it should be very interesting. Uh, yeah, it sounds pretty interesting. Yeah. So look forward to that, and we look forward to uh, talking about it. Thank you once again for listening to Lost in Criterion. I am, as always, Liam Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick Oyatari Jorgen. And we'll see you next time.
You've been listening to Lost in Criterion, hosted by John Patrick Oatari Dorgan and the Adam Glass, who edits it. We're a production of WithTwoBrains.com. Jonathan Hape does the music. Check him out at jonathanhape.bandcamp.com. And hey, if you like us, why don't you give us a review on iTunes, like us on Facebook, or support us on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash lostincriterion. We'd appreciate it.